All right, welcome to the Legal Insider. I, 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 I'm here uh, uh, on a Thursday evening with uh, our Legal Insider, Nick Ndeda, who also doubles up as my personal lawyer. So <laughs> it's quite an interesting conversation we're going to have. Nick, how are you? I'm fantastic. How are you? I'm very well, thanks, Nick. Uh, now, Nick, uh, you have uh, obviously many people know you've got quite a following on social media. Uh, we were talking quite a bit uh, off air before the show began. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I was trying to find a few things out about you, about how you how you grew up, why you wanted to become a lawyer. So let's start with that a little bit. First of all, maybe tell us what kind of law you practice. Okay. Um, there's this practice uh, where people specialize after a few years in in the streets. I absolutely refuse to do that. Mm-hmm. I think when you specialize, the law becomes boring and it really limits your your perspective. The All aspects of law are interconnected, you know? So if you specialize, you'll have a lot of knowledge on one and almost zero on another. And when a client comes to you, they can have an issue about land, but when you get dig deeper, it becomes a succession conflict because the land was left by the father and then this happened, they come for here. So mm. by the time you get there, you have no knowledge of succession law. What do you end up having to do? You refer this client to someone else. Mm-hmm. So I didn't want to go down that road. Plus, when I had a stint at EcoBank as a legal officer, it was so repetitive and mind-numbing. Mm-hmm. I said, never again. <laughs> you okay. know? It's a good thing you've mentioned the organization there as well. No, I'm just joking. But any, uh, any, I'm saying any bank, I think, or any kind of uh, corporate law job, I mean, corporate law is the wrong term, any type of legal job within an organization would probably get quite repetitive because the problems are generally probably all the same, right? I want to believe so. Hmm. I've, I've only ever been employed corporately at that one place. Okay. Uh, beyond that, solo. All right. Yeah. So you are sort of... Uh, y- you practice different kinds of law. You're knowledgeable about different kinds of law. Yes. Uh, before we go back into how you got into law, that means you're constantly learning as a as a lawyer, as an advocate. You must be constantly learning. I think that's the best part after litigation when it comes to the law. <laughs> <laughs> so litigation. So we, we've we've established litigation is the best part. Oh man, <laughs> okay. who hasn't watched any? legal drama or right. any legal movie right. you ever seen a movie about how i transferred this land to my father's mm. name mm. no one cares about that mm. but when you see Danny Crane in court you're like okay i'll pay attention yeah you yeah know. yeah yeah so 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 getting into all different kinds of law mm. means as as we said you're constantly learning mm. um and and law changes on a daily basis more it's like technology right everything changes okay not daily but things oh, yeah, change quite <laughs> often right um yeah. so so maybe take me back to to how you got into 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 law and and why you chose this as a profession if i'm to be truly honest i can't even answer that question i was in classics i read a book by sydney sheldon there was an advocate in it he did something very dramatic with some poison in a in cough syrup or something i was like god good god <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> i want to do that and my parents say look i'm to tom tundu i always used to ask so many questions so they knew from my from way back i'd, I'd get into law hmm. And in Form 2, I think it was, I changed my mind for a bit. I read The Jackal. Okay, I'm influenced by books. I read a lot. I read The Jackal, and I was like, this is so cool. This guy just like kills one person a year, and then he makes a million dollars. I'm like, this is, this is an easy life. Mm-hmm. I could do this. So I was in that phase for like two months. Then I set up the law club of, um, in my high school. and The rest is history. Mm-hmm. And where did you study law? Undergrad, more university, then Kenya School of Law. Then I said, I'm not studying again. Because Kenya School of Law is, and this just goes out to everyone studying law now, Kenya School of Law is brutal. Really? What? But brutal in a good way, because it prepares you for the world, right? As a lawyer. No, brutal in a brutal way. There's, <laughs> there's no good brutal. <laughs> right, right, right. Okay. Yeah, but yeah, it was interesting. And yes, it does prepare you for the real world of law. The okay. things you're taught in campus, while very useful, I'm not going to discredit that. Don't quite get you there. Okay. You need to go to Kenya School of Law. The, the perception of lawyers uh, in a in large part of the world, Kenya is no exception, is that you're sharks, uh, you're bulldogs, um, you're not our friends, you need money for to perform for us. Um, but there is another side to lawyers that maybe you could shed some light on because a lawyer can, in fact, be your friend as well, mm-hmm. especially when it mm-hmm. comes to sorting out things that you need sorted out from a legal perspective. Why do people fear lawyers? And I'm not just talking about people that you're suing. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about even people that are trying to find a lawyer. We fear lawyers. Why is that? I think for a long time, the law was a closed club. No one knew their rights. No one could even interpret the laws we were putting out there. Policy documents would come out from governments and state agencies that no one can understand. So it was like uh, on a pedestal. 
that's them you don't understand they wear black they wear robes they wear wigs we don't know what's happening there <laughs> So like whatever they tell you, you have to. T- <laughs> I don't think NSK will take that too kindly. <laughs> the legal cult, yeah. yeah. You're not helping. Okay, it. <laughs> sorry. Okay, but 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 I mean, it is a little bit. Yeah. So or, uh, perceived as. Yes. So there's that arms arms length interaction between advocates and their clients. But over time, you'll find a lot of our laws and our policies have been demystified. Mm-hmm. We've really opened up courts. And credit to William Mutunga, he didn't want those closed door things. Open up the codes, wear suits, whatever suit you want to want. Let clients talk on their own behalf. And the new constitution really opened up that space as well. The small claims court now is really helping with that. So over time, we're getting to a place where more people can access the law. So we're not as arm's length. Mm. And I want to believe this impacts even the police had imagined. Everyone's afraid of the cops. They're just human beings like you and I. But, you know? but the only people cops are afraid of is lawyers. <laughs> I, I did, I'm not discussing the hierarchy of fear. <laughs> but, I, <laughs> but that's true, though. Uh, every time I have a speech to my lawyer, cops tend to disappear. Uh, when we had uh, Lady Justice Mugra on the show uh-huh. this morning, on, on the Capital in the Morning, she mm-hmm. mentioned the GBV court in Shanzu mm-hmm. uh, and how they want to open more across the, mm-hmm. the country. What, what, what I found surprising is that it's the first and only one, right? And, and yet, this is a problem that women go through you know, in a very patriarchal society like mm-hmm. Kenya, mm-hmm. and we're not as patriarchal as some of the other societies like Iran, but we are still quite patriarchal. Um, how important are things like this? Because women generally fear going to court. This is what she was telling me this morning, mm-hmm. because they're afraid that they're going to be harassed or intimidated. Uh, and so they just oftentimes just accept what they have, uh, what's happened to them, and then they suffer with things like depression, PTSD afterwards. How important are courts that are, that are specifically um, uh, put together, put up for women and children? I think the fact that we need that court is quite unfortunate. Yeah. I believe everyone should have access to justice regardless of their agenda at all our courts, you see. But yes, it is extremely necessary at this point in time. You know, when these women come to court and I won't even be the one representing this woman, you know, and I, I really feel for her and I'm really committed to the case. When I walk into court, I know my colleagues. I've been in practice in one or another for almost 14 years. So I'll say hi to this advocate, that advocate, say hi to the clerk, maybe if I know the magistrate, you know. I, I definitely am going to know your opposing counsel, mm-hmm. the guy on the other side. Mm-hmm. So if so you're the guy woman, representing me, if yes. I'm the woman, yeah, yeah. Yes. No, no, I'm the one representing you. Sorry. I know the other advocate right. on okay. the other side, you know. So if you're this woman, sat there having gone through this ordeal and then the person supposed to represent you is chummy with the, all the advocates there, you're like, okay, is this person really representing me or am I coming to present my case to these advocates for them to decide how to deal with me? Mm. And remember, she's already traumatized from what she went through, you know? So, yes, I can see why women would be afraid of coming to court and speaking up. Yeah. Right, okay. And of course, with uh, the GBV cases on the rise through COVID and everything, it really is something that is Indeed. is a problem. And, and of course, the, uh, the court system here has realized that uh, this is obviously an ongoing problem. So hopefully more places like the one in Shanzu are, are going to be erected in different parts of the country. Uh, but we're not here to talk about you anymore, Nick. We're here to talk about law. Finally. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> um, but, but thanks for that little bit of background. It's good for, for our, our dear listener to know who you are and, 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 and what makes you tick. Um, before we get into the type of law we're going to discuss in this particular episode of uh, The Legal Insider, uh, perhaps take us through some of the most memorable cases. Can you do that? Are you allowed to talk about cases without being so specific? Uh. <laughs> The good ones or the bad ones? Both. Maybe a case. Have you ever? Have you lost a case? No. Okay. <laughs> All right. I so maybe always take... deliver client expectations. Right. Okay. Cool. Because I've got this problem. I need sorting out. No, I'm joking. I don't. <laughs> uh, no, no. But but uh, maybe just a memorable case. One of your most memorable cases. Where where you know you may you as a lawyer you maybe change somebody's life. Oh man. Uh, or should we come back to that at the end? Let's come back to okay, that at the end. Right. Yeah. The ones I'm thinking about now, the ones that stay with you. This is a sad part about the law, are the ones you feel you'll never do again. Okay. Yeah. I've right. done murder. I've done rape, attempted rape, defilement. Those. And okay. You do one. I won, but the cost, personally, emotionally, emotionally, yeah. is, just, is just too much. We will come so back. Those will stay with you. But we will come back and talk about a specific one or two at the end of the show, which is uh, the show runs until seven thirty. Let's now talk about the type of law we want to talk about, which is succession law. No, we're not talking about succession. No, law. no, no. What are we that's that's about? a whole other thing. Okay. We're discussing marriage. Marriage, that's right. Sorry, <laughs> marriage and divorce. And, uh, and that and kind of thing. Okay. Yeah. So so take us through now how how that works. Uh, um, first of all, let's go through the process of marriage and where the legal framework comes in when you want to marry somebody. Um, that particular part, when it's all bliss and seems like a good idea, how does the legal framework come into that? 
Let me first break hearts of people who are still cohabiting. You are not married. Okay. <laughs> there's not this come we stay law? No, you can stay. There's nothing illegal about it. Okay. But, <laughs> but there's no marriage there. Okay. That's, that's the significance. Okay. Uh, before the enactment of the Marriage Act, yeah, it was normal. You stay with someone for a period. You conduct yourselves in a manner likely to suggest to right-thinking members of society that you are husband and wife and that kind of thing. Then you are declared married uh, as married by the court. Okay. You see? But the Marriage Act got rid of all that. Okay. So now the only marriages recognized in law uh, have to be under the Marriage Act. Civil unions, where you go to Sharia House, a civil marriage, a marriage registered under this act. Now, if you go, say, traditional, then you go to the registry and register that marriage. That's cool. Hindu and Islam and Muslim weddings recognized under law. Okay. No problem with that. Cohabitation, no more. Now, all marriages except Muslim and traditional marriages are potentially polygamous. All marriages except Muslim? No, Christian? No, except Traditional and right. Muslim are potential, potentially polygamous. Yes. Can you explain that? Ah, my bad. Ah, monogamous. Okay, monogamous. Yes. Right. Okay. Traditional and Muslim, Muslim are polygamous. Are potentially. Potentially polygamous. Polygamous. So, do we recognize? We'll get more into this now. But do we recognize that if, as a Muslim man, I can have more than one wife in this country? Yes. Okay. Because the, your personal law is governed by your religion, and we recognize Muslim uh, Islam here. Is that a global thing or is that unique to some countries? I don't know if okay. other. I, I've never heard of this recognition in say the, the US. Yeah, I was going to say the US. I've never I don't think you can be polygamous yeah. in the US, right? Okay, yeah. fine. That's interesting. That's very interesting. Yeah. So technically, tr traditional and Muslim are, can be polygamous in yes. this country. Yeah. If you're Christian, it cannot be polygamous. Oh, it's, it's done. It's a wrap. Right. So it's well, if you're a Christian who only married in a traditional setting, then you know so it's quite it's, it's quite a bit of gray area in all of this I wouldn't say it's a gray area it's under what what regime is your marriage registered mm -hmm. so if you contracted your marriage in a church white white, white wedding yeah yeah, you are bound. Don't make that mistake. Let me not, not be misquoted. I was only. <laughs> no, no. I said don't make that mistake. No, I'm saying if yeah. you want to have more than one wife, don't get married in the Christian setting. Yeah, don't don't okay. do that. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So so that's the marriage part done, right? So this come we stay thing. If I'm living with someone for a long time, they are we are not recognized as married or legal partners. Yes, but there is a presumption of marriage, but only to the extent that it helps the court determine other issues. So there's an issue, say, your partner has now died. No, God forbid. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Then now you're claiming, I'm a wife. Then the court is going to say, is there a presumption of marriage here for purposes of determining what your rights are in respect of your partner's estate? I.e. money, property, etc. Yes, but you're not a wife, you're not married. But that presumption, what, 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 so for them to presume that we're married because of the succession mm -hmm. of that property and, mm -hmm. and estate, mm -hmm. what needs to happen? What, is it a certain? Is it a time period? Oh, okay. Presumption is a question of fact, not law. All other marriages that are registered, once you have that document, it's a legal document. It binds, it binds everyone. It's done. But when you come to cohabitation, it's a question of fact. Mm -hmm. So you have to say we live together for X period. I used to attend weddings with my partner. Even Nani knows that this is my husband or this person is my wife, and so on and so forth. So you you build this body of facts enough to convince a court that indeed you are a wife, mm -hmm. you are a spouse. So now having uh, arrived at that conclusion, this conclusion is only used for purposes of now inheritance or whatever it is the court was trying to determine. Yes. Right. But it didn't declare you a married couple nonetheless. And and it, as a, as a, and for a man it works the same way? Yes. If the, if the, if woman dies mm -hmm. uh, you have technically they, you'd have to prove the same thing the presumption of marriage existed yes. because yes. we used to go to family gatherings together mm -hmm. we used to go on holiday together we have the, that kitenge that matches right. you know those ones his and hers kind of stuff right <laughs> yes so bring all, your so pajamas it's actually, quite it's actually quite personal to prove yeah. that there was a potential of marriage in that relationship you're better off just registering if you want to go for it go for right. it right yeah. okay um, there's a lot of men out there that are going to be like hold on <laughs> wait, wait a second, bro. You know, like I'm not ready to register, but I want to live with this person. Um, so this can obviously be the the, the downside to that. Mm -hmm. So you get married, uh, you spend some beautiful, blissful years together, and then you decide that it's not working out. Um, let's go into divorce law now.
um, how does that work? What is what is the what is the 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 foundation for a divorce? Okay, let's first assume. Let's let's first assume you didn't have a prenup. Oh, okay. Yeah. We'll come back to that. Okay, we'll okay. come back to that. Yeah. No, Sorry. no, we'll come back to prenups. Okay, let's talk about divorce. Black, most black and white, easiest way to divorce somebody. How do you do it? Irreconcilable differences. Okay. Just be clear. I, I advise all my clients. There's no need to fight. If you if you put in your documents there that this guy was abusive or this woman cheated on me and that kind of thing, you're creating the fight. This guy will feel a need to come to court to defend themselves against these allegations. Most of these court documents are in the public domain. Okay. So if someone accuses you of say bestiality, <laughs> you're like, oh dude. Okay, even if it's true, did you have to like you know? It exists in law. That's a ground for divorce. Bestiality and, and having Congress than uh, yeah, natural yeah. Congress. I know what it is. <laughs> it's very different to animal husbandry, by the way. Quite. <laughs> <laughs> In fact, it might even be the opposite. Um, <laughs> I know we have a livestock farmer in the studio with us, so I know he understands that that that, uh, that they're different. Yeah. So um, we're going to come back to bestiality as a law in just a few minutes as well. Um, we've got a lot to get to through. So, so the easiest thing to do is to go into court as a couple and say oh, irreconcilable no. differences. You also can't collude to get your divorce. Okay, so you go separately. Whichever, whichever party wants to file the divorce, mm. in your documents, just say we have irreconcilable differences. Okay. More often than not, if the other party doesn't want to fight for the marriage, they'll just keep quiet. Do your thing, done. Okay. Yeah, it'll take a few months nonetheless, mm. but it's easier than that bestiality conversation. <laughs> and and other things that may creep up in the, yeah, in the relationship Yeah, exactly. Because if, if, you, if, if you say someone engaged in bestiality, man, he's, I can't imagine the, com- the comeback he'll have. Then suddenly you're defending yourself from them, and then they're defending. And it's a mess. Right. So, so have you dealt with divorce law as as a lawyer? Yeah, a number. Okay. What, what was the weirdest? What was the weirdest uh, reason for a divorce you've seen? I don't want to say bestiality. But that's been there. Oh my <laughs> god. That's why it came to my mind. Okay. Is there anything else? But the weirdest thing that has happened to me in a divorce court is, uh, I was out there waiting to get in with my client, mm-hmm. and then the. Op- opponent quote-unquote the respondent walks in and she's pregnant okay i'm like ah awesome this woman has even moved on done i'm getting this order today no 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 guess who the baby daddy is him yes so within the in within in the process of the divorce i've come today to get our decree nisi (laughs) i think the court almost threw the file I think it's somewhere in the UK or something. It, it was it was so embarrassing. So, so what is the outcome of something like that? Did, okay, what was the reason for that divorce? You see, traditionally, uh, the when you go to court for a divorce, the first in the first instance you get a decree nisi. Mm-hmm. Then they used to allow six months before you go back to court for a decree absolute, which then like, closes the file. This six month window is thought that it was allowed to allow parties to try again reconcile. You know, when you get a a court order whether it's temporary or permanent, you kind of it switches you on, mm-hmm. you know. So let's allow a six no, months. No, it becomes window. very real at yeah. that point. Yeah, yeah so yeah. L- let's see what happens in six months. But now it, this window is what people are using to get pregnant again. So I don't know. <laughs> I don't think it's really working. She was, maybe it's working, I don't she, know. She was exactly <laughs> six months pregnant, I imagine. <laughs> <laughs> right? So, 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 but but in their court documents, he filed for divorce, did he? Mm. Or she filed for divorce? He filed for divorce. He, what, what did he put in the, was it irreconcilable differences? I was his advocate. What do you think I put? Okay, but, but irreconcilable difference. Right. Okay, and then he knocked her up, and mm. so so where where are they now? I mean, she's uh, that, she's got one more child. I, I checked in maybe two years, two and a half years ago, mm. and they were still together and very happy. So oh. I guess the six month system okay. works. All right. Okay, so that six months is is the window you're given to see if you want to make it work again. That's what I, I think. <coughs> that's what it's for, because all my experience tells me that's what people use it for. Okay. All right. Um, you mentioned before prenups. Let's mm. talk about that a little bit. So maybe just explain to us what is a prenuptial agreement? Basically, it's just a contract between parties before they get married. Right. And to deal with the assets, liabilities they incurred prior to the marriage and what they're going to acquire during the marriage in advance. So they become a subject of um, matrimonial property. Okay. Uh, if at all they get divorced. Right. Yes. Okay. And the prenup can say that whatever I had before we got married belongs to me. Yeah, and whatever you had before you got married belongs to you. Mm. And during our marriage, it's ours. Is that how it kind of works? Yeah, very broad strokes, but yeah, that's the general direction. But you need a lot more specificity. Okay, there's no room for ambiguity when doing a prenup, and you cannot fail to disclose anything. Okay. It has to be full disclosure of all assets and all liabilities. Otherwise, the prenup can be 
declared null and void by a court. Okay. Have you ever yeah. seen a prenup being declared null and void by a court? Uh, that's relatively new law here. Okay. By relative, I mean <coughs> it's developing jurisprudence here. Okay. Yeah. But so eventually, yes, it will clear that because one of the reasons for declaring a prenup null and void is that a party entered into it under duress. Mm-hmm. And you know, most of our marriages here, the point of entering into one, they tend to be skewed. One party either has resources, the other doesn't, and that kind of thing. So if you tell a lady, a lady tells you, sign the prenup or no wedding. Kind of between a rock and a hard place, mm-hmm. you know? So, yeah. So, so, but prenups do exist. Yes. And usually the wealthier party wants the prenup, I would imagine. Oh, the one who thinks they have more potential tends to want the prenup, <laughs> you know? Okay. Guys who are wealthy have already hidden their assets in companies, right. um, offshore companies, stock, whatnot. Right. You won't even touch it anyway. You don't right. even know it exists. Right. They'd rather not disclose they have their assets than dis- have to disclose because of the prenup. When a, when a divorce gets messy, mm-hmm. what happens? I mean, what, what what I mean that that you guys obviously make a lot of money. Uh, when the divorce is dragged out in court, I, I don't know. I really stretch that lot. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's not that much. <laughs> it's the same amount. Okay, but but okay, fine. But 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 when it gets messy, you know, how does that 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 mess is that something that as a lawyer you look forward to, or do you prefer any case really, not just divorce, or do you prefer things to end quite quickly? Quite quickly. Okay. Yeah, because people assume that the messier gets, the more money you make. No, it just gets more time consuming and more tedious and more convoluted for no reason. Right. If I build you, say, X amount to take up your matter, and then I've gone to court three, four times discussing one tiny aspect of it, mm-hmm. I won't bill you why. It'll be X plus zero point something. You know, it's, it becomes, I don't say nonsense money, but it's not, there's no motivation for us to make things messy. So, so the, the neater it is, the better. Hence the irreconcilable differences. Right. Clean. And irreconcilable differences can cover even things like bestiality, I guess, right? It just kind of falls under the umbrella. Yeah, because I, I cannot reconcile with the fact that you didn't do. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> because I still need to understand what is the bestiality law in the law in this oh country? Oh, my God. It's illegal. Okay. Was, I, I, I'm oh, just curious. I once had a matter in Kibra. Oh, no, no, no. Where, no, chill. <laughs> a father was accused of uh, murder. Oh, okay. And. Luckily, I wasn't dealing. I, this one I had. I observed. I was in court when it was going on, yeah? And what happened is, Ocha Ocha Oko, he, he had some sounds commotion, etc. You know, animals are bleating, whatnot. So he got out with his rungu. Shona told some, someone running away. He threw the rungu, hit him in the head. Unfortunately, the guy passed away. Okay. Turns out it was his own son. Oh, jeez. What he, was his son doing? He was having Congress with a sheep in the sheep pen. Okay. And it was... I think the magistrate was at a loss at what to write down. It was just—it was so awkward for everybody in court. It's like, oh my, oh my word, why do you even look? You don't know whether to sympathize I mean, you, or. You don't really ever want us to tell a, a court that your son was doing that, but you also don't want to go to jail. It, it was—it was awkward. You should have seen oh, the God. prosecutor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the guy who took up that case as well. You know what I mean? Mm. Uh, what's the weirdest case you've ever—you've ever taken? Weirdest, craziest um, case you've ever taken? And since since we know you you've never lost a case, obviously one. Oh man, no, no, I've, I've not taken a crazy case. I've taken difficult cases, okay. high value cases, okay. but never a crazy okay, one. Okay, what's that? What's okay? What's a high value? Give me an example of a high value. What is it, what is a high value case? Six B. Where I'm defending a party in a six billion suit, then that's high value. Which you won. I don't lose. <laughs> so you won someone six billion shillings in a court case. No, I stopped someone from collecting. Sorry, six billion okay, shillings. fine. So you save someone. Life. You save someone from a heart attack, basically. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, all right. Um, and and subject matter wise, what is the what is the hardest case you've ever taken? Alan's actually still ongoing. Okay, so you can't talk about it, obviously. Yeah, it's high value, and then it's the parties we are up against. It's it's heavy. Okay, it's, that's right. a heavy one. Yeah. Okay. Sleepless nights, heavy. Right. Yeah. Let's go back to divorce uh, for a moment here. Something's just come up in, in, into my mind. Um, you know, divorce kind of crosses over into succession as well, right? And death as well, in a way. So death, divorce, and succession. When you have these family squabbles over somebody's things, mm-hmm. um, because that, from my understanding, and correct me if I'm wrong, the law is not very clear. Am I right or wrong? You'd have to be more specific. Be clear about which law is not clear. Okay, the law that's not clear is is, is the law of succession. Oh, my word, that law is so clear. Is it clear? Oh, I love it. Cup 160? Okay, can you break it down? Beautifully for us? drafted. Can you break it down for us? Which part? Property, for example. Property, land, uh, estates. 
in a oh yeah, my word for this is a whole other topic because now we have to discuss interstate succession versus interstate succession citations or oh, section 66 on the hierarchy of who can apply it's it's a whole thing okay if you want to go into this I now do. i do all right yeah 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 okay first divorce is not connected in any way to death or succession that's a great starting point yeah why not? not because i'm still alive so where's the succession? I'm alive. I'm divorcing my partner. But you must have people fighting for someone without a prenup when, fighting when, for when someone it, else's when property. When it comes to divorce, uh, there's no people. It's my former partner, my ex-partner fighting for my property or me fighting for her property or for alimony or something. You okay. see, it's two living parties what fighting amongst each other. Convoluted cases where we've bought a property together. Mm -hmm. What happens in that case? And no prenup. And no prenup. Thankfully, the Supreme Court has shed a lot of light on this in the recent weeks. Okay. All parties are entitled to what they contributed to the acquisition of that asset. So you have to literally go back and look at who put in what for that property yes. or that whatever it yes. is, car, whatever it is. Mm. Okay, before the... this And that's assuming you're married. If you're cohabiting, we're starting from a whole other place. No, if you're cohabiting, then it's, it's mine. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> so, we'll go back to the presumption of marriage if you're cohabiting. Okay, but, but before the Supreme Court shed light onto this, mm. was it difficult to figure this out? There are so many conflicting authorities over time. Okay, all uh, right. And... The, the painful one was a 50-50 split, regardless of who contributed what. Right. And it was painful, I don't say for men, I don't say for all the parties who contributed more, brought more to the table, yeah. quote unquote, yeah. than the others. It was 50-50 okay. down the middle, doesn't matter. That but, was painful. Right. But now it's quite clear. Yeah, you contribute. And contribution doesn't have to be monetary. If, uh, if your spouse is doing something in the home that then allows you to go out and get this money and build, uh, develop this asset, that's a contribution. So it is still gray then. I mean, that. so you're saying that if she, if you've got your spouse, I'm not going to say the woman because I can yeah, get Yeah, it seems to me partner a lot. One partner <laughs> uh, is staying at home so you can, the other partner can go out and work to earn money to either build or buy or mm -hmm. whatever the case mm -hmm. may be. That is a contribution, me staying at home. You can't discount opportunity cost. So then how that spouse that, could have been out there making that money building that asset. I'm sorry, but that's extremely convoluted. How? I mean, how do you quantify that? If I if I if I'm putting the money, okay, so let me say that one partner is putting mm. the money in, right? So okay, let's 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 make it easy. You uh -huh. got a thirty-five million shilling apartment, mm -hmm. okay? Uh, two partners in this relationship, this marriage, right? Mm -hmm. uh, I'm assuming they're a man and a woman. Judging by our deputy president's recent comments, it's going to stay that way for a long time. Mm -hmm. um, and we have one partner who goes out and earns. 300,000 shillings a month and every month he's putting he or she is putting 100,000 shillings into <laughs> the purchase of this asset uh -huh. and the other partner is staying at home buying Taking care of the kids making sure he's fed okay what if there are no kids oh, that's a really reduced contribution yeah exactly so how do you quantify that contribution in that case, zero. It means one party is taking care of the other. So this other partner is not contributing anything. No, so what if I'm contributing by making sure that when partner A comes home from work, he or she is fed. I'm cleaning the I'm cleaning the property. Mm -hmm. I am decorating the property. I am planting in the garden. I am, you know, the court, okay, okay, <laughs> doing the grocery shopping, etc., etc. <laughs> partner B. The court will take all that into account and give you a, uh, come up with a percentage that works. That the court feels is fair. Okay, so so that's now up to the court. Yes. So when we present our case, partner A and partner B, mm -hmm. and we are filing for our irreconcilable differences, mm -hmm. divorce, except mm -hmm. there's a property involved mm -hmm. or an asset involved, mm -hmm. the magistrate, the judge, will mm -hmm. say, we've looked through, we've heard everything, we've looked mm -hmm. through everything, and we've decided that partner A's contribution is 90% and partner B's contribution is 10%. Uh, first, it won't be the same court. Okay. Once you're done with your divorce, there's a different court now to discuss the okay. division of mar marital property. So which and court is that? And then that second court is the one going to decide 90, 10%, okay. 70, 30%. And that court is called what? Just court? Depends on the asset. Okay. It can be the ELC, the right. Environment so, and Lands Court. So they've said know. this apart, this 35 million chilling or 30 million chilling apartment mm -hmm. is 90% contribution is from partner A and 10% mm -hmm. is from partner B. Mm -hmm. How do you split that? Do I just pay off partner B and we just... Yeah, those are the options. You can pay off or you can compensate. Say 10% is equivalent, say, for my um, 3 million. You keep the cars. Okay. And then we, we square it off like that. Okay, that's really yeah. interesting. That's a very interesting point you, you brought up there because I think there's, there's a lot of... I still think there's a lot of gray area there as well. I think it's time for the uh, the news. Uh, when we come back, we will take... Uh, we'll, 
We're going to touch on succession. I'm sorry to tell you that, okay? We're going to touch on it. Of course, we'll continue that discussion next week. Uh, but we will have uh, a quick break and we'll be right back. Feels like the, the theme music to Shaft or something. Anyway, uh, this is the Legal Insider with me, Fariq Imani, and of course our Legal Insider, Nick Deda, uh, who has joined us today. If you have any questions uh, for Nick, you can tweet us 984 in the morning, hashtag uh, drive in. That's how you can reach me on Twitter. But also, uh, you can also um, uh, uh, WhatsApp us 0701-984-984. Thanks very much for tuning in so far. This is such an interesting conversation. We've talked about marriage, divorce, splitting up assets. Uh, Nick, there's one area that is always going to be, you know, since time immemorial, this has always been an issue. And that, and I go th- I've gone through it myself. Mm-hmm. This is the custody mm-hmm. of the children. Um, now, you know, you will often find the child, the, the parent the child wants to stay with is not the one the court agrees to. Uh, and oh, that yeah. is very difficult because you're dealing with two sets of emotions here. You're dealing with the, the emotion of the parents mm-hmm. and the emotion of the, the child, child as yeah. well. Um, before you tell us how custody works from a legal perspective, mm-hmm. maybe tell us some heartbreaks you've seen when it comes to things like this. Oh, man, these are the ones that stay with you. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I've seen abused kids. Mm-hmm. I've, I've seen abandoned children. I've seen... Oh my God. This, these ones are heavy. Yeah, the children are very heavy. Yeah, and I, I can. I, I imagine, don't go down that wormhole. We will. We will eventually one day talk about yeah, it. Yeah, one if day. Not maybe, today. Yeah. But have you ever been in a situation where that child so badly wants to go with parent A, and the court decides they're going with parent B? Yeah, those are the because I've seen kids crying in court wanting to go with their father, and the court just says, for this reason, that reason. I'm not blaming the court. There, there may have been circumstances that then bound the court's hands but mm. it's painful to see a child cry over over choosing which parent. just wanting his yeah. one parent over the other yeah. um, I went through with my kids as well so I know my son really wanted to stay with me and that just wasn't an option so it's 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 difficult for both the parent who doesn't get the child but really mm. difficult for the child as well because you know at a certain age you know until they get to a certain age they can't really understand the reason that that yeah. decision was yeah. made right uh, but how does it how does how does the court decide how does the court decide that this child is better off with this parent. Oh my word, uh, that's a heavy one. I, mm. I guess all all cases hinge on their own facts, you know. So which which parent is more stable financially? Which one provides them with a better home? Which one is more available to them, you know, on a day to day basis? You may find the child, the parent who is better off has a better home, has better facilities, works a lot, out of the country ninety percent of the time. Why put the minors there and then they never see this parent anyway? In an ideal situation, a child is entitled to love, care, you know, custody, control by both parents, from both parents, you know. But when that can't happen, availability, to my mind, has to be the first thing. Who is more available? It doesn't matter the economic circumstances. Yeah. Who's since, more available? Since the Constitution came, um, the Constitution was passed, Children's Act, responsibility is 50-50. If, uh, if, say, the mother is more available, but the father is a better place financially or the reverse is true, this other parent who is supposed uh, who is better off but don't have time will likely be expected to pay more towards the upkeep of these minors so they can stay with the mom who has time for them so it works the same in all countries i think to be honest nick yeah i get that totally wait what do you mean uh, no no i'm saying because uh, the the parent who's earning more money but works more mm-hmm. will obviously have to contribute more yeah to that so it's, it's equi- equitable it's called child maintenance i believe mm-hmm. nowadays mm-hmm. not necessarily alimony or child well, alimony is what you pay your ex-spouse yeah that to, that's to sustain them i don't agree with that one <laughs> <laughs> but we should talk about alimony we'll come back to that mm-hmm. having said that when we when we see kids in these situations that that would prefer to go with parent b a or b whatever mm-hmm. And, and the court decides that it's better that they're with this parent than that parent. Um, you know, you must have some cases as well that you've seen. We know they exist where a parent is told they will never see their children again. That's a very, very extreme thing for the court to do. Yeah. Extremely, extremely but it has, rare. It would have to be something like abuse, sexual abuse, something like this, right? Obviously. Well, you know, if, you, if it's that kind of thing, then you won't see a child because you'll be in jail. Yeah. 
I don't think the kid will have to do much. All right. But yes, those are the instances. Abuse, okay. uh, sex, not even sexual, even physical abuse, even emotional abuse. I, I've, I have uh, clients whose kids are going for therapy and they're seven, they're six. Right. You know, it's, it's, and it's they, they weren't physically abused, they were emotionally abused. Emotionally abused. abused. Okay. Yeah. All right. That's quite difficult, I'm sure, to, to see. Yeah, and then you'll find the other parent who did the emotional abuse, still wants access, still wants custody, still wants the kids over the weekends and for the school holidays. And my, now that my client is saying, how how can I, with a clear conscience, allow this to happen? What advice would you give somebody that is in a situation like this? And I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna play the devil's advocate here and and talk about gender, okay? Mm-hmm. What advice would you give to a woman mm-hmm. who has custody of her kids, mm-hmm. who are either physically or emotionally abused by the father, who no longer has custody of the kids, mm-hmm. uh, but that that father is continuously showing up, continuously trying to get access to the kids? We know they go to the schools. We know all these things happen. Mm-hmm. What advice would you give to that woman? We'd have to get a restraining order, and then we get the OCS, in, in the closest OCS to where the school is and where you live, to be directed by court that if ever this guy shows up, he can send officers there okay. to deal with the issue because then he's in violation of a court order that is contempt of court and he can be jailed for it. You, you say that. How easy is that to ac- how easy is that service to access? When you say service, what do you mean? To get the OCS, etc., etc. Oh no, OCS will react to any court order served on them. So okay. you just go to court, get the I order. I told you cops are afraid of lawyers. No, I said court <laughs> order. I didn't say a lawyer's letter. Okay, <laughs> but 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 I'm saying we have we generally have a very bad perception of courts and the legal system in this country, and specifically the judiciary, mm-hmm. right? So you're telling me to go to court to get this document. Yeah. I, as a woman, and we've talked about this mm-hmm. before, we talked, and even with Justice Morgan this morning, the mm-hmm. fear of getting to court because of humiliation, intimidation, mm-hmm. you know, putting out your dirty laundry. Is this service easy to access or is it difficult? Is it digital? How does it you work? Know, when you go to the children's court with these kinds of issues, the court is allowed to have your matter proceed in camera, which, is mean, which means not open court. So only the parties who are necessary for the court to make a determination mm. are allowed in court at that time. Mm. So the courtroom is completely cleared. We have courts where there's a like a privacy screen where a witness can be in there. You can't see them, but you can hear them and you can cross-examine them to maintain their privacy, their confidentiality and that kind of thing. This children's court, uh, we spoke about it as well with uh, Justice Morgan this morning. The children's court is really s- designed to protect kids. and to, there's very, What she said was there's as few people as possible mm. in mm. that space. Mm. That's beautiful. That's lovely. Yeah, I like it. The one thing I tell my clients the most is they don't care. A client comes to you know, so in the property, he has the car or the house. They, they, they don't care. Okay. The children's court doesn't care about your adult issues. Right. Oh, but he they're, cheated. They don't care about that. Their mandate is to protect that child. Children. Period. Okay. So if you come to the court and you know he cheated, he did this, that's nice. How does that affect the child? Amazing. If it doesn't, we don't care. Is children's court quite a new concept here? No, no, no. It's okay. been there for some time. Okay, okay. Yeah. So because even even uh, Lady Justice Morgan was saying we, we, we're quite advanced in terms of the type of courts mm. and legal mm. framework we have in this country as yeah. opposed to other countries in Africa. Yeah. Okay, yeah. we have a question here. Good evening, Nick and uh, Frida. Nick, loving the conversation. I have a question for Nick. If a couple is legally married and they separate for years but are not divorced, can either partner claim the property of the other should they pass on? Yes. Okay, because we're still legally married. Yeah, because we're legally married. Of course, if you look at section, I think it's 66 2D mm-hmm. of the Marriage Act. <laughs> cool, I can't even remember what I had for breakfast, but go ahead. <laughs> Black coffee, probably. Yeah, definitely. About seven <laughs> cups. You're yeah, right. See? Yeah, 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 yeah. Well done. You know me better than I myself, but yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, if you've been apart with someone for, I think it's two years, continuously, then you just go to court and say, we've been apart for two years, the marriage has automatically dissolved. But see, you have to move the court to arrive at that finding. That's very interesting. See, that's something else that blows my mind. So separation can lead to divorce by default. Yes, but you have to go to get the court to say, there's judicial separation, where you go to court and say, I want to be separated from this person. Uh-huh. These are the rights I want preserved. They mean I'm not married. Any asset that we had acquired together still means this. Those ones don't change. I just want to live apart from this person. That's judicial separation. Okay. So if there's any maintenance you expect, all those things are covered there, you see. Then there's just separation, now you just dip. <laughs> Spoken like a true gentleman, huh? I just dipped. I went out for cigarettes seven years ago, yeah. <laughs> I actually know a case of someone who went to buy a newspaper. And never came back? No, three years later. Oh, wow. And he came with the paper. Okay, so let's... And he sat down and said, I can't use. <laughs> okay, but, but but here's a question for you then. So this, this, this uh, uh, you go and say we're legally divorced because we've been separated. Did you go to court and say that's the... Yeah. 
only one party has to do that? Either party can do it. Right. So if I walk out on my partner today mm-hmm. and two years down the road, I'm like, uh, we're married. I can go married, right? Mm-hmm. I can go to court and say... Well, the question was for married people, so it's fine. Huh? Yeah, yeah. So I'm saying I can I can go to the court after two years and say, actually, we've not... I'm, Live together we've not for, even seen each other for yeah. two years, so can you Just declare us divorced, yeah. Here's a question for you. In, in, the, in Muslim culture, in Islam, you can say, I divorce you, I divorce you, I divorce you three times. Mm. Uh, I think in some... In some... In, yeah, in some Arab kingdoms mm. uh, and Islamic republics, that still works, right? Mm. Does that work here because we recognize Islam? As yes. A, interesting. Fred, what are you planning? No, 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 no. <laughs> As a Muslim, I'm not planning anything, but but I'm just I'm just saying it's it's good to know. So that actually does that's recognized here. That's that's insane to me. Yeah, we have a Cadiz court. So in case of any issue surrounding uh, your personal law, and you are um, you profess a Muslim faith, you go to a Cadiz court and they make their finding. Okay, so that's very interesting. Right, we're going to take another quick break uh, right now. If you have any questions, 0701-984-984. Totally loving this conversation. Uh, and, of course, uh, The Legal Insider is with us. Uh, and uh, our uh, it was Wambui who asked the question and the, about uh, if you're legally married and they separate for years but not divorced, can either partner claim the property? She says, wow, thanks for the answer, Nick. So you've definitely cleared that up for her as well. Anyway, I just want to see Vivica A. Fox somewhere right now uh, with this music. <laughs> All right. Uh, as we uh, talk more with Nick, our legal insider this morning, and we wind down the show, we've got about 10 minutes left, 10, 12 minutes left. Uh, thanks very much for the, all the messages that have come in so far. There's a great message here uh, from Gatu Kirubi, uh, who says, Good work, Team Capital. Legal Insider is a welcome add-on to normal programming. Uh, by the way, uh, Wakili Nick dropping some knowledge bombs. Fried will definitely be late for tomorrow's show. Uh, I will <laughs> not, but Thank I might you. be in court tomorrow. <laughs> but, yeah, no, Cadiz court, that is. No, I'm oh, joking. Lord, no. I'm joking. No. <laughs> All right. Uh, as we move on uh, to, through our discussion, I think you've really... Um, ex-wife walked out on me with my five-year-old boy to another country in Europe. Oh, I know that story well. Uh, can your court rule on another country's jurisdiction? That's from Jeffrey. Well, you can draw from my case if you'd like, Nick, because I brought it to you as well. So there you go. I'd have to know the circumstances surrounding the walkout, you know, because okay. kids don't ordinarily travel out of the country with one parent. So we'd, we'd have to know the back, a bit of a background information sure. would be very useful. Okay, so Jeffrey, what I'm going to do, I'm going to give uh, your number to Nick. Yeah. Uh, and then he can call you and you can have this, this discussion and perhaps he can help you in this situation mm-hmm. because I've, I've been here. It's a terrible situation. It um, happens a lot. Yeah. We actually have a matter ongoing where a mother moved to Switzerland with, the, with two children. <laughs> Okay. Oh my word! Uh, <laughs> Another one. <laughs> uh, that happened to me, but um, actually, okay. we've we've come to realize that uh, it's fine, uh, and it's better to settle these things out of court. Actually, I agree. The the, the 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 challenge I had, if I can just explain to you, is mm. we were married in Switzerland, not here. Mm. Uh, so even our divorce, I have to fly back in a couple yeah. of weeks, but we don't have any. Um, there's no dispute in our divorce. You know what I mean? What's well, mine is mine. What's hers differences. is irreconcilable mm. differences. Yeah, uh, we won't get into the details of those, but yeah. there was no bestiality involved. That I can promise. Um, now, uh, Nick, we, next week, of course, uh, you're going to be back here again on Thursday. I myself will not be here. You'll be with Charles Chiari, the very I able Charles Chiari. Uh, but you guys will be discussing um, uh, what we're going to tease now. Um, COVID. Mm-hmm. caused a lot of problems and I from my understanding the legal system got backed up quite heavily during COVID yeah. uh, there was uh, divorce cases there was domestic abuse cases there was uh, irreconcilable difference cases there was financial problems mm-hmm. there was property problems mm-hmm. there was defaults on loans and yeah. cars and mortgages and rough. things yeah. mm-hmm. um, the effect on the psyche of a human being that goes to any one or a combination of these things mm-hmm. uh, obviously plays quite uh, heavily in the world of of, of law mm-hmm. um, I've got a lot of friends and this is from me asking a question who are dealing with auctioneers mm-hmm. at this point for some reason auctioneers appear to think they're above the law mm-hmm. and I think it would be nice if you could clear up some of that for us oh, for um, sure. I know we'll get into the whole ch- 
auctioneers generally say if you don't want us to come back to your property or office write us post dated checks yeah or give us some payoff fees and then we won't come back yeah, yeah, yeah. To, which is so, a total hoax so let's talk about auctioneers first mm. Are, do they have the jurisdiction they claim to have okay first of all props to the judiciary during covid the e-filing system and the virtual courts took a minute but it's really efficient to save advocates hours and hours of time we used to spend getting to court waiting for your matter only to come back at 2 p.m that's your time allocation you get back to the office before you sit down it's time to go back to court then your 2 p.m becomes 3 p.m then your day is done you know so judiciarily they've stepped up kudos now when you say the powers auctioneers have mm-hmm. those are all contained in the auctioneers act okay you so you'd have to be more specific in terms of what do they come and tell you most of the cases I get, an auctioneer comes in, the, they have a proclamation notice, and they tell you, our fees is 60K, we're going to take these goods. And then someone says, okay, let me give you a 60K, then you leave. And they say, okay, give me 60K, I'll go, I'll come back in like two weeks, you have three weeks to pay. When they come back at week three, it's a new 60K. Or more. Or more. No, usually it's the same amount because the amount they're pursuing is the same. After a few months, when the interest is racking up, then the amount starts getting higher and higher and it becomes a never-ending cycle you see so they intimidate people not all of them and office not all of them not all of them but well, some of them okay yeah. I have a I have a case of a friend whose company uh, owed someone some money mm-hmm. um, the company is a limited liability company so we know what that means right mm-hmm. that 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 protects the directors uh, they, they are not they're not looked at as individuals but they're looked mm-hmm. at as a company yeah, the auction- all other conversations. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, but the auctioneers went to his house, not his office, uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, and because he didn't know the law, he allowed them to come in and attach everything. Oh man, that, that should yeah. never have happened. So what what should the response be if they show up to the house without the vulgarity or with? No, with no, without <laughs> without. Get the yeah yeah. It's okay. get out of my house. They're not allowed to be there. Okay. There's processes in law under the Companies Act for mm-hmm. lifting the corporate veil, okay. which is where you go after a debt incurred by a company but from the, its directors in their personal capacity. Right. So unless the auctioneers followed that process, and your friend would have known because they have had to serve him with those documents that are going to court to lift the corporate veil. Right. He'd have had to be called to court for a public examination before the court makes So there's a whole process. It's a, it's, and it's tedious. Right. It's tedious. There's one where we've been defending someone for, I think, now this is year five of the same file. Right. It's tedious. And so the auctioneers so he'd have them. known. Right. You'd have known. Okay. They have no right whatsoever to go after his personal property. So these are just thugs, basically. There. Let me say they are misinformed. Yeah. Yes. I, no, I think they're very informed <laughs> thugs is what they are. You know what I mean? Um, that, there's the other issue, of, of course, uh, we, we, the, the gray area between writing a car. If I write you a check today because mm-hmm. I owe you money mm-hmm. and it bounces, that's a criminal offense. Mm-hmm. But if I write you a check that's dated one month from today uh, with the hope that money will be in the account and it bounces or I call you and say don't bank it, that's mm-hmm. not a criminal offense. I like how you say by saying it's a gray area and then explain it so neatly that there's no gray area. <laughs> I should have been a lawyer, you know what I mean? Yeah, come to the office tomorrow. Have a, have a spot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I always wanted to be a lawyer, actually, to be perfectly honest. Mm-hmm. I think I would be a great yeah. lawyer. But this uh, auctioneer post-dated check issue, I think so many guys right now are struggling. Yeah. People think the COVID effect is over. It's not. To my mind, it's actually worse. If, if Looking at the files in the office and the matters we're dealing with now, it's actually worse now because expectations have shifted. When we're in the heart of COVID, everyone was in it. No, but there was leniency as well during COVID, yes, right? There was because, leniency from everyone. Yeah, because we were all in it. And you're like, ah, COVID, man. Yeah, you know what I mean? yeah but you see, the guys who cleared COVID earlier than the rest are now really pressuring the ones who are still in that funk mm-hmm. to you know, honor debts, pay this, pay the other thing. And people are under a lot of pressure. Look at the paper. How many auctioneer notices do you see there? Mm. There's pages and pages and pages of it. That's know? that's interesting because we are in the midst of trying to make up what we lost during those two exactly. years. Businesses are closing, etc., etc. Mm. What protection do we have legally from? And I'm going to list off a number of uh, individuals and organizations, mm. okay? From the people we owe money to, uh, supply, uh, sorry, client, uh, su- sorry, suppliers, and uh, the government. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I know that's a that's a whole different conversation, but but KRA has really been putting the pressure on people. We're not that far out of COVID. Many people, yeah. are, many businesses, are just shutting down because they they've just they given just can't, up. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So so, what is my legal option in these situations? I think if if a debt is truly owed, 
your best option will always be to negotiate. And pay. Negotiate a, a structure or a system or an installment plan that you can manage and pay. Okay. Always pay your debts to the best of your ability, you know. Right. But if push comes to shop, of course you can uh, apply for bankruptcy or insolvency, right. as the case may be. Uh, from KRA, they also have an entire system for arbitration, which is basically just more negotiation as well. Okay. Yeah. All right. So there is a way that you can... Uh, yeah, exactly. The court of arbitration for KRA, that's a big one, right? Yeah, and you have to remember as well, uh, if you look at our land laws, there are provisions there. I think it's under Section 104 of the Land Act, which provides that you can go to court and just ask for more time. Mm-hmm. You're not even arguing the amount. You're not arguing. They don't stop you from arguing the amount later. You're not arguing the amount in question, the interest rate, the notices you are given to pay. Uh, telling the court, it's none of that. All I'm asking for is time. And right. the court have the power to give you that time. So, but, but but you see, you're mixing issues here mm-hmm. because I'm still going to have to pay a lawyer mm-hmm. to get me that time. Now think of it this way. <laughs> I'll give you an example. There's a matter we're handling now mm. where the debt in question is 316 million Kenyan shillings. Mm-hmm. I didn't bill you 316 million. You see? So as opposed to the bank auctioning a property and still not recovering the full amount, maybe they're going to lose 250, Mike. Mm-hmm. And then the balance, they come up with for the balance anyway. Why don't you engage an advocate, mm-hmm. pay them X amount, I remember we discussed negotiations, installment plans. I mean, this is a deposit, uh, I'll top up, I'll top up, etc. And safeguard your 300 million shilling property, and which if, is a better option. If I don't pay you in time, are you going to hold my money? I mean, you're going to take me to court? Can a lawyer take someone to court? Yes. <laughs> See, there you go. We're going to end it there, Nick. Thanks very much. <laughs> uh, that's The Legal Insider with myself uh, and uh, Nick Ndeda. Uh, and you can join us again next Thursday. It'll be Charles Chiari and Nick uh, here from 6.30 to 7.30. Time now, of course. Thanks again, Nick, for uh, Thank that you. wealth of knowledge has completely blown my mind. Mm-hmm.